Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to part two of The Guilty Feminist. So plug in. And get ready for the fun. Hello, Newcastle. Are you ready for the second half of the Guilty Feminist? Then please welcome the stage, Deborah Francis White. Oh my goodness, somebody's left me a book and it says, if you don't mind signing this, it'd be great. Yeah, thank you. And it says something this evening, something is for you. What does it say? I haven't got my glasses. The life pricing is for you. The life, also the life, the lie painting is for you. Did you do a painting of me? I love it. It's beautiful. I'm thinner than that other poster, though. <laughs> no, I really love it. Thank you very much. Um, just give us a cheer if you had a lovely interval. <laughs> just give us a cheer if you met anybody new that you didn't already know. Oh, yes. Who did you meet? In the men. In the men. 
Friends, yes, Newcastle. It's the lavatorial revolution, but duh, come on. Uh, just give us a cheer if you met, uh, if you bumped into someone you know. I mean, I love the Guilty Feminist audience. People are like, you're here, you're here, you're here, you're here. It's truly wonderful. Uh, now, can I just ask a question? You need to tell me good things to do in Newcastle because we're on tour. Tomorrow we go to Manchester, but not for a while. Now, there's lots of good things to do in Manchester that Manchester people will tell us about, and in Glasgow. Backstage, all the comedians were going, what can we do in Newcastle? I need suggestions from you, Newcastle. Things that feminists would like to do. Bear in mind, guilty feminists. Yes, go on. Cozy Joes. Cozy Joes. Cozy Joes. All right. Not everyone agrees that I should go to Cozy Joes. Please explain what Cozy Joes is. It's a shit karaoke bar. I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. When are you going to Cozy Joe's? After the show. Alison, do you want to go to Cozy Joe's? Alison loves karaoke. Okay, all right, so we might go to Cozy Joe's. Anything else? Beach. What do you mean, like the ocean? Like the shore of the ocean? We should go to the beach. What was that? The North Sea. I should go and see the North Sea. I think you've misunderstood the assignment. Um, uh, I know, I would love to see the North Sea another day. Uh, no, and actually I would. It might be really beautiful. It might be really hot tomorrow. Yes, okay. I think actually that's a good idea. Cozy Joe's tonight, the ocean tomorrow. Okay, anyone else? What was that? Izzy. Can you tone down the accent just a tiny bit for me? I was raised in Australia, okay? So I'm not just a soft southerner, I'm really, a, I'm from the southern hemisphere. It's a bit like if I said to you, back of the you go bush, no worries. A couple of Sheilas, oh, we'll go down there, and yeah, there's a barbecue on the front row, right yeah. There's a chuck raffle in there. See, do you see how difficult that would be for you? Okay, no, I know what I just said. I, we, we, I just heard, we watch Neighbours, we understand. Okay, well that, that pleasure is going to be cut off to you quite soon. It's coming to an end. Okay, I think, I think, uh, I think Charlene's coming back for the finale. I'm very excited about it. Um, Izzy, what did you suggest? The Baltic. The Baltic. I'm going to need help. Oh, it's a modern art gallery. Okay, modern art gallery. Okay. Classy, Izzy. I like that. I, I like that. Anything else? Donuts. donuts. Just the concept of donuts. <laughs> Is there anywhere I should go for such donuts? What's that? Proven goods on a Friday. Is anyone writing this down? Kevin, are you writing this down? Yeah, great. Thank you. Proven goods on a Friday. We're looking for Kevin. Could you just make a little note of that? So we've got the Baltic Art Gallery. We've got the concept of the ocean. We've got Proven Goods Donuts on a Friday. And we've got Cozy Joe's Karaoke Bar. Have I missed anything out? You have to go in the sea, though. No, I don't. <laughs> totally misunderstood me. I do not have to go in the sea and will not be going in the sea. Um, I reckon Celia AB will go in the sea. I just get that vibe from her. Do you know what I mean? Wild swimming. 
It's that kind of thing. Um, anything else I should do? The Hobbit. The Hobbit. <laughs> I should make out with a Hobbit. Anything else? The hot bins. What is it? Poppins. As in Mary. What? Poppies. Hop. Ings. Hoppings. Um, hoppings. What is hoppings? Awful. I've had one vote for awful. What is it? A fair. A fun fair. Gang, there's a fun fair. Do you want to go to karaoke or a fun fair? Is the fun fair open at night? Is it, is it there a Ferris wheel? Yeah. Will you take me on it, Kevin? No. If, if you were to take me to one of those activities, which would, it, which would you choose? Cozy Joe's. Cozy Joe's. If we went to Cozy Joe's tonight, would you do Proud Mary? Proud Mary, keep on burning, turning, rolling, rolling. I don't, I'm not sure I've got the tune right, but I've got the idea. I don't think it matters for karaoke. Yeah. Do you give us a feminist anthem? Raw. Katy Perry. I dare you, Kevin. I dare you. Can I what? Yes, firework. Let's do firework. We'll do it together, Kevin. Okay. High five. Oh, not right now. Okay. No, <laughs> Final. I've got to bring. I've got to bring my first comedian on. Uh, is there anything else I should know about before I bring her on? <laughs> That's the whole of Newcastle. Okay, the whole of Newcastle is covered in donuts. If I just have donuts in the ocean and look at a painting that's very modern, I've covered it. Okay. What was that? Gateshead! I represent Gateshead. I stand for Gateshead. Give us a cheer, the feminists of Gateshead. That's right, my friends. Um, listen, your opening comedian of this half is not from Gateshead. I'll be honest, she's from Texas. Yeah. Paris, Texas. Dublin, we've got them from everywhere tonight. Newcastle, yeah, that's right. I don't know if is Brindy's from Newcastle or she's from Gateshead. Is Gateshead in Newcastle or just outside? And that's the end of the show, Stuart. Okay, are you ready? She's all over your televisions at the moment. She runs Fuck It Up Comedy Club. She is a guilty feminist absolute favourite. Put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for the wonderful Key Mambo! <laughs> I'm such a bad Hey, gang. Good evening. It's so good to know I lifted my glasses up like it would help me see you better. Just like, oh, look at you. Gorgeous. Trust me, gorgeous. Oh, it's good to be here with you tonight. Um, my horoscope told me to try new things and keep an open mind, so do you mind if I do some new material tonight? <laughs> I'm only emboldened by my horoscope. Um, do you guys ever, like... I don't know if this is, like, a relatable experience, if, like, some of you will feel me, some of you may not feel me, and that's okay, but I just need to know if anyone is feeling me, if I'm alone in this. Uh, are you ever, like, at home chilling? Sorry, is that the sound of a seagull? 
Do you guys have seagulls? Are we by an ocean? Oh my God! Why did nobody tell me? I don't know where anything is. What, there's a beach? The North Sea? Oh, sounds cold. I don't, don't know how I feel about the North Sea. Would, is, would it be weird to take like a dip in the North Sea? That's fine. But do you think it's really cold? Oh, do you see what the fuck? You guys are treacherous, bro. I'm not thinking like Wim Hof, like trying to withstand the cold or something. Are you kidding me? If you can face zero degrees, you can face anything. Like, that's not my vibe. Point me to the North Jacuzzi. And then we can chat. Oh my God. Anyway, seagulls. So interrupty. Um, rude. Like, what am I, a piece of bread? Shut up, go away. Um, so weird. But have you ever, are you ever just like chilling in your life, money or business, like in the present, when something reminds you of someone that you totally forgot that you fucked? <laughs> Is that like, really, okay, get some nods of affirmation. Thank you, I'm glad I'm not alone in this because I was at home doing some admin, minding my business, listening to some alternative rock from the past. And this song came on and I was like, mm, mm, mm. and I was like, why is this song making me horny? And I was like, oh yeah, cause you fucked Jake. And then I was like, I was like what, I fucked Jake? And I was like, yeah, dude, you fucked Jake. And I was like, oh my God. I fucked Jake, that was a crazy time when I was fucking Jake. Yeah, you were fucking Jake, I totally forgot I was fucking Jake. Oh, and like, it was an interesting time when I was fucking Jake, it was like, it's an era in my life. It was a, a way more uh, sex positive <laughs> time for your girl. Uh, <laughs> I just moved to LA and I didn't know like that many people and I was feeling like horny, like straight up standard regular horny. Do you know what I mean? Like I think there are different kinds. I really do. Like sometimes I'm horny for love, you know? Sometimes I'm horny for friendship but this was like straight up regular, down the middle, like horny. <laughs> so I hopped on the interwebs and this was like 2015 time, back when Tinder was tending, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you needed something tended to, you can get on Tinder. <laughs> People weren't bumbling, the bees were not buzzing. Nobody was doors, there was no hinge, like everyone's on Tinder. So I got on Tinder, ended up swiping with this dude, Jake, we went for a drink. It was fine uh, and then <laughs> I was like do you know what Jake I'm gonna be real with you I'm horny and he was like you're direct and I was like we fucking uh, <laughs> let's go because uh, you know like as a like woman like it's important that I speak my mind uh, <laughs> so we went back to Jake's classic story boy meets girl they bone uh, <laughs> we went back to Jake's, we boned, it was so mediocre, so mid, so mid. And let me just say, like, Jake was a white dude, and I don't, I'm not big on, like, fucking white dudes. Like, I, I'm actually against it. Uh, I take very few stances in this world, but not fucking white dudes. I'm very serious about it, personally. Um, but sometimes when that caucasity be slapping, like, it's just like, it's like, ooh, it's kind of, it's hitting though, and so, 
standing like Jake was cute and stuff, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll get behind it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and so we went the most mediocre, like middle of the road sexual encounter, which is probably why I forgot about the shit. Uh, <laughs> But it did teach me something important. Um, and Jake was a weed dealer, so <laughs> this is a two for one. <laughs> like, this is great. What? <laughs> a sexual encounter and marijuana? This all. Oh, ding, 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 ding. It was very lottery. Do you know what I mean? It was like Vegas, three sevens on the thing. Do you know? It was like, yes! <laughs> she did it. She won. Um, and so uh, I, I got some like weed from Jake, not for money. I already paid with my vagina. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, uh, so I left with probably like fifteen dollars worth of weed. Apparently, my vagina isn't that great. <laughs> and I was riding home, uh, and I got pulled over, and I was like, oh. <gasps> We'd smoked that morning. I had weed on my breath. I had weed in my car. I was in possession several years ago in America, being pulled over by the police. I was like, oh, this is not going to go well. Um, and he, he pulled me over. He pulled me over, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Um, and <laughs> that's what I said. And then he came up to my window, and I was like, oh, no. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, he was like, hey, he told me what I did wrong. It was some traffic shit signaling or whatever. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm about to get a ticket. I'm about to get a ticket. Um, and he just like smiled at me out of nowhere. Um, and it was weird because I was just like, why is this guy, like, why is this cop being cool? Cops historically are not cool. And I think that he detected the aura of white man on my body. <laughs> I think he smelled the residual Jake. It was really weird. And like, even like on my breath, I was like, oh no, he's gonna smell the weed. But I think he just smelled the cum of a comrade. <laughs> a comrade. Well, such a wild moment. Um, he actually thanked me for my service <laughs> to the community and just let me go. And that was the day that I found out that white privilege is temporarily sexually transferable. <laughs> they don't talk about it. It's not on the ads. But not telling people, it's not right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, uh, I, I've been recently not horny horny, but more like horny for love. Uh, it's like an interesting space. I don't know if you guys have ever been there where you're like, damn, really would be nice to have a fucking partner. <laughs> That's why I just said, to sit back in the evening and go, shit, it would be nice if somebody was like fucking next to me or something. <laughs> That would be cool, I guess. <laughs> I've been like horny for love recently, but I feel like I feel like I'm not the best like advocate, I guess, for like myself. Like I I feel like I need to approach myself the way like an estate agent would. <laughs> because estate agents go hard for their flats. They back those flats, okay? They will fucking lie to you about anything just to sell that flat. 
they're never showing you the cracks. And I feel like if I treated myself like an overpriced London flat, then I'd probably have a partner by now. <laughs> so I'm going to take you on, like, the grand tour, estate agent style. <laughs> Welcome to this person. Um, it's on the fifth floor, but don't you love a workout? Um, and that's code for, like, she's very difficult, but isn't that fun? <laughs> like, that would be cool. And they call, like, everything, like, bright. They're like, it's bright and spacious. They say it like saying it would make it true. And they're like, it's so bright and spacious, see? And you're always like, ah! And I'm like, if they can pull that off in places where people are going to pay monthly rent, then maybe I can get away with saying that I'm sane, shower every 24 hours, and respect boundaries. <laughs> Bright and spacious. <laughs> you know? And like once the person like gets involved with me and realizes, I'm just like, I just need a little TLC. <laughs> I'm a fixer-upper. That's fun. It's a very exciting. Estate agent style. I think it'll be good. And um, I saw something on... Selling Sunset that really got me. And what they'll do is they'll take the person to, like, the best view in the house, right? Has anyone seen Selling Sunset? Oh, my God. It's so not worth watching, is it? It's the most low-level drama, and somehow I'm just here for it. Um, it's a horrible show. I recommend it. And, and they'll take a person to, like, the best view in the place, like, overlooking the city or the ocean, and they're like, couldn't you imagine yourself waking up here every morning? So I'm like, I do that. I put on, like, a nice outfit and, like, turn in a way that makes my butt look really big. <laughs> and I'm just like, couldn't you imagine waking up here every morning? <laughs> I think it could work. And the trick to the estate agent romantic sell is once you've got them on the hook, once they're interested in the property, once they know that they want it and they must have it, you send them for an impossible affordability check. Yeah. That's what you do. You have to pretend the demand is like, be like, oh, I have so many dates lined up this week. I have so many dates. There are loads of people that can't wait to view this flat. Um, and they're like, I want it. And then you're like, do you make a million dollars? And they say no. And you go, hmm, well, maybe I'll let you move in anyway. Boom. It feels like a good strategy. I don't know. Oh, but just because I've been, like, horny for love doesn't mean that I haven't been um, boning. <laughs> Thank you. She's elegant. She's classy. She bones. Um, and uh, recently I've been, like... Oh, I'm, if you don't know, I'm pansexual, um, which is great, having a great time. But recently, for a bit of, like, variety, I've been fucking straight dudes again. Yeah. That general, like, silence and groan is correct. Um, and for any straight dudes who are like, why, would they, why wouldn't they go, woo? Um, it's because I have options but insist on eating from the trash. It's nonsense. And recently I've come across, like, the worst straight men in the world. Um, straight men that don't eat pussy. Criminals. I say, lock them up, put them in jail, lock them up. Don't laugh, Stuart. <laughs> Stuart. <laughs> Could be you, Stuart. I don't know your life. You're going to jail, bruh. 
because it's inconsiderate, it's immature, it gets me, dude, it really gets me so frustrating. Like, and let me preface this by saying, like, not every woman has a vagina, and if you're a straight man and your girlfriend has a dick, then you better be slobbing on that knob. <laughs> you better be slobbing on that knob like corn on the cob, okay? <laughs> it's actually a song lyric. It's a pretty bad song. And... It gets me. Like, there are straight men out here in this world that are acting like a vagina is leafy greens and it disagrees with their palate. <laughs> like, you're not about to be out here treating my treasure chest like fucking Brussels sprouts. <laughs> you know? It's, oh, so frustrating me because I love Brussels sprouts. As a queer woman, I love Brussels sprouts, okay? As long as they are fresh and well taken care of, I am nibbling on those sprouts all day. I will wake up and have Brussels sprouts for breakfast, okay? I will roll over and look at the chef and say, I'm hungry. And she'll say, all I have is Brussels sprouts. Is that okay? <laughs> I'll say, is that okay? They're my favorite. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> oh, so frustrating. I will nibble on those sprouts until my jaw hurts or the kitchen is closed. Do you hear me? And you got straight men out here who want to play with the food but not eat it. <laughs> Just pushing the sprouts around the plate. Just trying to like enter without an entree and it's not okay, it's frustrating, it's inconsiderate, it's immature. And I think I understand like why they behave this way. I think I get it. I think that a lot of like dudes, penis dudes are like afraid that people with vaginas take care of their vaginas the way that they take care of their dicks. Which is like poorly. <laughs> Think about it, you all know dudes. Like, I feel like they go pee and they're just kind of like, whoa, just had a fluid leaving my uh, penis. Guess I'm gonna shake, shake, shake and move on. <laughs> so they're like, shake, 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 move on, shake, 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 move on. And then they walk around the streets with dry pee pee on their panties. <laughs> Like they're the kings of society. And I want to say, you're not the king of society, you're gross. It gets me. And I think it's dirty dick logic that has them thinking. It's dirty dick, it's DDL. It's DDL that has them thinking that we would take care of our genitalia in the same way. But let me tell you something. People with vaginas, oh, are constantly cleaning self-cleaning organs, okay? We're fucking scientists at this point. Like, bitches are constantly measuring pH. It's frustrating. And I, just to any, you know, straight man out there, anyone who needs to advise a straight man who's like, I don't know about eating pussy, it's as dangerous. Yeah. That's how they sound, and we have to empathize. They're afraid. Is it dangerous Will it bite my face off? You know, they're scared. I get that. Like, you don't have to be brave here. Um, but if you ever, you know, run into someone who's afraid, just remind them that, like, you don't know anyone with a vagina that's ever jacked off with a sock. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't know anyone with a vulva that has ever dipped it into a warm pie. <laughs> but apparently it's so prevalent in the penis community that they made a film about it. And that film made like a million dollars. Cause dudes all over the world was like, well, I don't know, how fucking sexy was that pie? <laughs> it was Apple? Ooh. <laughs> 
Oh, that's gross. Um, I want to leave you on a less fucking up high note. But I can't. But I just want to... <laughs> I refuse. Uh, but you guys have been absolutely lovely. I'm keep up up. Everybody! Thank you. Um, I was just looking it up. American Pie grossed not a million dollars. 235... Nearly $236 million. Well, it said $235 million. I thought you were going to say $235,000. $235 million. Yeah. Everyone just loves dick and pie. Yeah, well, there were follow-ups. It's a whole genre now. It's a whole... They made, like, a girl one where it was like, yeah, I'm going to have sex. And it was like, the other dude was like, he was fucking a pie. Like, there was no, if, I, I want true equality. Like, show me a girl what, fucking use, a dessert. Like using a chocolate eclair as a dildo. A thousand percent. That's true equality. Listen, I will pitch, I will go around Hollywood pitch it. pitching. Pitch it. Pitching. Yeah. Uh, pitch it. The eclair. Brater. Yeah. Yeah. It's we need well, a better name. Call it like French baguette or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like okay. yeah. it's not. It's not a good. Film. We're not. Women don't. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work. I don't think women want to see a film about putting an eclair yeah. somewhere it shouldn't be going. Yeah. Also, an eclair wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be, hold up. It wouldn't be the. <laughs> And I don't want to watch a film about a woman using a just cucumber. <laughs> I don't want um, that. I've actually, um, to do my research for that bit, I did um, Fuck try, a pie. I, I fucked a pie. <laughs> well, nothing but, if not method. Yeah, it was one of the British ones, though, and it was spicy. And... <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Kima. No. <laughs> Can I ask you how? Oh my god. How, what do you know about Newcastle? Um, well, there's here's the thing about Newcastle that I think is very important and true um, is that it ain't old. <laughs> there's not old castle. <laughs> Newcastle. In the UK, there are two castle towns. Old Castle, which everybody hates. Your rivals, the shock to your jets. And then there's New Castle, which I personally am a huge fan of. I just found out we're by the sea. Well, it was one of the recommendations. I've been asking for recommendations of things we should do while here on tour. And they include donuts, karaoke, and the ocean. Great. I just refuse to look at maps. Yeah, well, did you? I think there's a seagull trapped in the eaves because honestly, the noise is yeah, that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, there are two Newcastles in this country. What? Yeah, Newcastle upon Tyne and Newcastle and Newcastle under Lyme. Okay, that's that's near Stoke on Trent. Oh my gosh! Yeah, underline. I was kidding about the castle rivalries, but there is one. No, that's true. Yeah. There's genuine beef with Willie under what? Yeah, exactly. 
But also, like, respect. Respect to that town and those people. I'm sure it must be hard being the second greatest Newcastle. Yeah. It's it's hard Hard, for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, They wake up every day like, this again? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Under Lime isn't the famous one, is it? It's not the famous one. When people say Newcastle, they mean upon time. Yeah, Yeah, they obviously... They, they mean upon time. They don't mean underlime. Now, listen, if you are local to underlime and you're listening to this on the podcast... I'm so sorry for your everyday experience. It's... <laughs> we see you. No, we sorry. didn't come to you, I admit. On this tour, we didn't go to Stoke-on-Trent. And I'm sorry about that. That's, that, that would be the closest to underlime, wouldn't it? Where you'd go. Yeah, Stoke-on-Trent. They don't look at maps either. No. No, I don't. Um, Just give us a cheer if you are from actual Newcastle. (laughs) Give us a cheer if you're from not Newcastle, somewhere outside. (laughs) Ooh, more people have come in for this show. Thanks for making a journey. Yeah. Where where are you from? Gateshead. Gateshead. (laughs) Give us a cheer if you're from Gateshead. (laughs) Give us a cheer if you're from where Cheryl Cole's from. What? Where's called... Cheryl Cole from? Well, it's it. What's it called? Bike Town. Bike Town. Biker. No, she's from. What's Biker. she from? Peters. Peters. She's from everywhere. Heaton. Pe- 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 heating like central heating. Heaton. Pe- Pe- Heaton. Okay, just give us a cheer if you're from somewhere that we haven't <laughs> mentioned yet. <laughs> Where are you from? Shut up. Durham. Just give us a cheer if you're from Durham. Woo! I like okay. that place. I went there and I thought, this is nice. <laughs> I must go, but this is nice. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It didn't get a great rap earlier in the show. Yeah. Because when I asked who works for the, pa- the patriarchy, yeah. somebody shouted out, I work for Durham University, and that was hilarious. Yeah. And I figured it out myself because I've been in the UK a long time, it's because it's a very posh university town where lots of posh people who didn't get into Oxford or Cambridge go to swan about, and they've got so much money. And so the reason it's a nice place is because it's full of moneyed people who are just abusing the furniture. Great. I love when things make sense like that. Yeah. When When you're like, oh, how did this town and this country become so nice and then you're just like slave money and you're like oh (laughs) great it's just nice to connect the dots (laughs) I don't is that true of Durham Durham people from Durham is that true who knows is it from the empire it's older than the empire great love it people are people are someone needs to give us a Durham history lesson Tell us one thing Kima wouldn't know about Newcastle. Ooh, that's going to be tough. <laughs> Big challenge for the audience. Kima's all the way from Texas. Is there another body of water around here? Okay, <laughs> you can, you can give, give them a feminist, feminist fact about Texas. Oh. <laughs> Any feminist fact about Any, Texas? Okay, great. <gasps> I've got one. Lizzo's from there. Is that great. correct? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's a, the best I've got. I do love it. It's true. Well, actually, um, Melissa, which is Lizzo's actual name, not an illusion, Melissa. Um, a lot of people think she would be Elizabeth, Lizzo, Melissa. 
Um, but so that's my feminist fact. Um, she grew up elsewhere and lived in Houston from the age of 10, 11, um, and became more serious about music there. So Houston has made people. Yes, I've got Miss, another feminist uh, fact. Madam Be- Frances White, yes. Is Beyonce from there? Beyonce is also from there. And I'm also from there. And Megan Sound is also from there. And I like to think that the tap water that we all drank um, is made us all fun. Well, also like powerhouses. All those women are massive powerhouses. I was trying to be humble. <laughs> you, you, I think there's something in the water for sure. What is, the fuck? Sorry. Is Oprah from there? Because if Oprah's from there, there's cup holders This here. is great. It's like we're in a car. It's I like with Thelma and Louise. This is the real Top Gear. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome right. to the real Top Gear. We have to bring on our guests. Okay, okay. I'll gladly do it. I okay. like them a lot. All right. Are we ready? I think I'm going to read a book, you guys. This Seriously. is pretty major. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Gang, I'm very excited to tell you that at the end of this year, we're coming up to seven years old. That's right. We are having an enormous, great big monumental, guilty feminist party and show at the Hammersmith Apollo. Yeah, like we're live at the Apollo is, but it's all guilty feminist comedians acts and exciting guests. I can't even tell you about yet. Um, Now, it's going to be on the 1st of October on a Saturday night. Come one, come all. Uh, So get your WhatsApp groups together. Get tickets now before they all go. Uh, because it's going to be a one-night festival of feminism fun and refuel for the resistance. If you like Michael McIntyre's Roadshow, if you like Graham Norton, if you like Jules Holland's Later, imagine those three men were women. And then imagine those women were allowed on the television. And then imagine they were allowed to invite other women to join them. And you would have an idea 
of how incredible this show is going to be. We are going to have some pop sensations. We are going to have some comics you know and love from The Guilty Feminist and the telly and some guests we've never, ever had on before. So please book now. We will be releasing more information soon. If you'd like to get a ticket now, go to guiltyfeminist.com and click on live shows. It's our birthday. You absolutely don't have to bring a present, but I'm not stopping you. Our guests today are philosophy lecturers, Newcastle local feminists, friends, co-directors of Women in Parenthesis, and co-authors of Metaphysical Animals, How Four Women Brought Philosophy Back to Life. Please welcome to the stage Rachel Wiseman and Claire McCall. Take a seat. Come okay, take a seat. Come Hug from a distance. Like that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, just, just, could you just introduce yourself for the podcast and just say your name and something about yourself? Yeah, I'm Claire McCool. I'm lecturer in Germany University. I'm co-author with... <laughs> I know. I think I'm making students probably less employable than philosophy. Um, I'm co-author with Rachel Wiseman of uh, Metaphysical Animals. Um, and I'm Rachel Wiseman. I'm a philosophy lecturer at Liverpool University. But you live in Newcastle. But I live in Newcastle. So do you commute? I commute on the Trans-Pennine Railway. Wow. It's, that's how dedicated she is to Newcastle. She could just stay there overnight. But she's like, no. Nah. Once I've taught the Liverpudlians... Yep, the, going on back. The Liverpudlian students, I'm back. True. Back on the train. That's, how, that's her dedication to Newcastle. I don't want to talk about trans, but is the trans? I've heard the trans Pennine is pretty bad. <laughs> is it okay? It's hang on. It's it's amazing. It's, a, it's got some great scenery. Okay. You go through kind of all these places that you don't know the names of that don't have internet, and you can kind of look out, and it's sort like. of misty, and there's drizzle coming on the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love drizzle on the train. I'll tell whoever said that to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we need to get to your book, which I'm super excited about. Um, so, um, this book, Metaphysical Animals, How Four Women Brought Philosophy Back to Life, it's about four women who brought philosophy back to life. What? Yes. Mary Midgley, who was a witty scholar. This, is, this is, starts during the Second World War. Mary Midgley, witty scholar, level-headed, zero tolerance for neurotics, careful observer of humans and animals alike. Iris Murdoch, aspiring novelist, francophile, almost everyone who meets her falls in love with her. Philippa Foote, granddaughter of US president, intellectually brilliant, quietly rebellious and pathologically discreet. Elizabeth Anscombe, deeply puzzled, Catholic convert, Wittgenstein student and friend, trouser-wearing chainsmoker and eventual mother of seven. Very cool. Now, these four women were in a landscape of uh, philosophy, meaning dead white men or bearded white men. Mm. Can I just say that's the same landscape we're in today? (laughs) So the identical landscape you find yourself in as current academic philosophers. Not far off. (laughs) So why were they able to spring into life and to take over philosophy? What was happening? Well, they, they all went to Oxford University and they went up just at the start of the Second World War. And of course, all the young men got conscripted and all the quads and the colleges emptied and they were just left in 
yeah, in a scene where there was just very few young men. So Iris Murdoch said that men were as rare as butterflies in March, I think she said. I just want to say, like, war is bad, but that sounds so nice. <laughs> I know, that's actually Mary Nishi said something like that. Yeah, Mary said, um, I'm not saying we should have another war, but... <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> that's her, I'm a feminist, but... She, you met her, didn't you? Yeah, she's, she lived in Newcastle all of her life. And actually... Um, when Claire and I first read, um, it, like we first discovered that these four women had known each other at Oxford mm-hmm. during the Second World War, we kind of Googled them all and, and three of them were dead and Mary was still alive and we discovered she lived in Newcastle. So we basically just turned up at her house. <laughs> we're like, so Hi. Um, How old was she? She was 96. Yeah, 95. Yeah. And was she surprised to find you at her door? She was a little bit surprised, but she <laughs> said, Come on in, have some biscuits have some tea and then we were just turning up every week and she just told us this incredible story and she was nine and and we initially because we were I don't know you think oh a 96 year old woman she's going to be you know what's she going to know but she was so completely alive and on it and actually we soon found out she was actually writing a book Oh, yeah, a competitive book with yours. Well, yeah, she published it. It came out on her 99th birthday. Oh, I know. I want to be like that. I want to be 99 and still hustling for a book deal. It's good. What what is philosophy (laughs) for? And it's amazing. Wow. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, So we've all got to buy that book. Um, And she she passed away at what age? A hundred. She was 99 and 11 months or something. I went to her 100th birthday party, which was like a week before she... Yeah. Oh, she, she had it. That's yeah. so what you got to get it in early. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like, huh, will I make it? Do I want to have a party? Let's have the party now. <laughs> yeah. Can, I, can we have my 100th birthday when I'm... Like 82. Let's do it next week, girl. <laughs> Why are you wasting time? Um, so she, you were able to like have lots of tea and biscuits with her and hear about how it really happened, how it really went down. This is really exciting. So when they turned up at Oxford, the philosophy was like what? What was the landscape? What kind of philosophy were they being taught? Well, it was very dry, it was very technical, it was not connected to life in any way whatsoever. Um, it was, was kind of like maths. It was like maths, chess. Um, there was a gang of men who called themselves the Brethren and they used to hang out together. The Brethren? Yeah. The Brethren. It's very exclusive, isn't it? Wait, what do you mean not connected to life? Well, it was looking mostly at analysing language and analysing sentences and kind of breaking sentences down mm. into smaller component parts. But less about how, like, people operate? Yeah, less about, like, what it means to live a good life, what, you know, what, what goodness is, in fact, mm. you know. That's a sort of metaphysical question, what goodness is. But they were more interested in what does the word good mean or when might we use the word good. Um, so in that sense, it became really abstract because, in a way, like... How do you answer a question like that? Mm. And the women said, look, you know, we can talk about courage, we can talk about patience, we can talk about honesty. You know, these are good things. Um, we can talk about beauty, but goodness, I mean, how do you even get a grip on that? Mm. Um, because so it's, it's subjective it's, to some extent. Yeah, and also, I mean, you can't, I mean, I can see that this chair is red, but I can't see if it's good. Right? Mm. It, it, you know, 
it becomes very disconnected from just material reality, I suppose. Yeah. So the other thing that Mary always said was that um, philosophy at the time was just clever young men who like competing at winning arguments. Mm. So rather than the idea of philosophy as this like shared endeavor towards yeah. wisdom and trying to like understand how to live well it just become this sort of intellectual pursuit of all these really smart young men from public school just mm. trying to show off Going as to who it. is the smartest. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's very similar like, to Oxford now. It's probably, yeah. yeah and, sounds yeah. like, so instead of reaching like a common understanding, it was just like, who's the loudest? Yeah, very how can I feel right? Mm. Exactly. It's hard, it's hard to imagine how our current... Prime Minister came out of such an institution <laughs> and with all his friends. It's, it's, it's a real mystery. Yeah, really, really is. That's a philosophical question itself, isn't it? Um, Can I ask, like, how did you guys come across these people? Like, and why, 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 why are you talking about them? Why you read No Shade to Mary and Pals? Like, how did, how did they like, enter your life? Yeah, what drew you to them? How did you uncover them? Well, so um, when Claire and I first became friends, we were kind of really freaked out by the fact that there were no women philosophers that we were reading, that our students were reading. Loads of our women students were kind of leaving philosophy because they felt like, you know, it wasn't an environment for them. Um, when we came across a, a letter that Mary Midgley had ri- written in The Guardian, where she basically says in this letter, um, look the reason that I kind of got on in philosophy and went on to become a philosopher was because just as I was becoming an undergraduate student, the war started. And when the war started, all the men went away. So instead of being in these classes where it was just all these public school boys like, trying to be smart-ass, she was taught by other women, conscientious objectors and refugees... Um, and she says, like, because of that environment in this letter, me and my other friends, these other women, kind of got our voices heard, and we got instead to think about how to make sense of this deeply puzzling world, and we weren't interested in competing and winning arguments. Well, me and Claire read this, and we were like, OMG. Wow, <laughs> like, yeah. We were so excited. And initially, we, we started the project as just like we just thought let's just tell the story of these women to all of our women students and see what happens and they were so interested and it kind of changed the way that they thought about themselves and we started like learning about their lives and their friendships and like it's just so amazing to hear about four women doing philosophy together um and then we started to read the philosophy, and then we were like, whoa. Okay. Well, that's what now. <laughs> what was their philosophy? What, what, how did they depart from sitting around analysing how words work in sentences? Yeah. And, and battling to be heard. And when did they start this idea of metaphysical animals? Can you talk a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Do you want to go? Yeah, I mean... The subtitle of our book is How Four Women Brought Philosophy Back to Life. And I suppose, you know, the war was going on. You know, they were like, let's stop with these language games. There are serious problems here. Um, And after the war, when the news broke about the concentration camps and everything, you know, Philippa Foote in particular, she said, look, I can't just say to a Nazi, you know, I think that was... I think that was bad, you think, or I think that was bad, but you think it was good. Like, there's got to be something objective or real. Like, this is 
this was bad, this was evil. We've got to be able to talk about this stuff. And in order to do that, we've got to kind of look at the world, look at human beings, see what kinds of animals we are, what do we need? And it's mm -hmm. only by doing that that we can say, this was bad. Mm -hmm. It's not just kind of an attitude that you can take to some kind of neutral goings-on. Like, mm. those were not, like, neutral goings-on, you know? So, so the, the events of history, you know, forced upon them this requirement, this demand to do more engaged philosophy. And I think, um, you know, they had the materials to do it because they hadn't been learning all this kind of much more kind of technical arid stuff. They'd been taught by these refugee scholars who themselves had, like, fled Germany, uh, Czechs, you know... Um, was it Czechoslovakia? I was about to say another thing. Hold on. Um, you know, so... It, they saw philosophy as this, like, really pressing thing that we need to be able to do to kind of get on. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, the, like, I guess, like, the central idea is... Well, there's two central ideas. Like, one is, like, we're animals. And because we're animals, like, we can study... Just as we can study, you know, the lives of wolves and bears and rabbits mm. or whatever, we can study the lives of humans and we can start to think about what kind of an animal a human is and so mm. what kinds of lives make sense for us and how... The, you know, the, the fact that we're social, for example, the fact that we need love and the fact oh, that we make yes, we art... do. Yeah, the fact, <laughs> the fact that we make artworks, you know, the fact that we write literature, like, all these things are completely central to the kinds of animals that we are. And they all thought that, you know, once you start to recognise us as animals and then you can start to talk about what we need and the ways in which our lives can go badly and the ways we can be harmed, then you start, to, you start getting this idea that morality is just like, oh, I think this, you think that. And you start mm. getting this idea that it's something that kind of is generated by us collectively and the kind of creatures um, that yeah. we are, you know. Yeah. And are there human absolutes? Did they find that as, say, if we were to study deer, mm -hmm. they, there are ways that deer operate, mm -hmm. and if you saw uh, uh, an aberration of that, you'd be like, that's not normally what a deer mm -hmm. does. Are there absolutes among human beings? Do we... Do we all inherently know that murder is wrong, for example? Yeah, so I guess like, they, they start a little bit further back than that. So Mary Midgley has, like, one of the things that she says is, here's, like, here's one of the things that you can get to easily. Like, you can look at the way, the kinds of animals that we are, and we're social. Like, and a human life that is lived in complete isolation, like, something's gone bad if, mm -hmm. if that's the way that somebody's living. But equally, she thinks you know, humans, like other kinds of animals, can't operate if they're all squashed really closely together. Mm. So she says, you can tell, you can start to think about the, the ways in which it's just bad for humans to be crushed together in really close proximity. Mm -hmm. So she says, you know, human uh, forcing people to live like that in overcrowded conditions, for example, is, is a harm, is a moral harm, like that's a bad thing. So she doesn't think that we're all sort of born with an innate capacity to know good from bad, if you like. But she thinks we can sit down and we can work together to try and understand the sorts of lives that can go well and can go bad. Now, like, she thinks, like, obviously, and, like, we're a really complicated kind of an animal. So we're not, like, it's not like a very, you know, a worm. There's only kind of one way a worm's life is going to go, whereas we're these language... Don't, I don't know that we should be limiting worms. <laughs> Some worms have ambition. Sometimes you find them on the sidewalk, you'll be like, what are you doing? <laughs> 
But yeah, I get your point. A lot of animals are less sentient and more intuitive and instinctive. I'm increasingly thinking, I'm writing a book at the moment called Six Conversations We're Scared to Have, and I've been really down that rabbit hole for quite a a, a, long... No... uh, (laughs) Thinking these kind of philosophical thoughts, because I'm writing this book about how we operate. And I'm increasingly realising... One of the reasons I think we struggle to communicate with each other in society, and you know, as you know, as the internet has allowed us to find our people, but it's also allowed us to uh, say, right, well, you're my people, and you're not my people, and send you know verbal grenades very quickly. And so we tend, we're getting more and more polarized, and I, and I think most people I talk to are concerned about that. Um, that there are factions happening all the time on the left in feminism. I totally just said that, like, the space without men sounds great. <laughs> yes, but you did say that. Did you did say, you literally the, said what this generation needs is a good war. A good, um, and the more, more war. <laughs> um, but I'm increasingly thinking, we don't understand ourselves, human beings, at all. We do things for emotional, intuitive reasons, then we rationalise them. And we have such a limited language, even to express ourselves to ourselves. I don't know why I do things. We do a lot of self-destructive automatic behaviours. And then I justify that. I want to rationalise that. I want you to think I have to make an excuse for why I'm doing that or why I hurt that person or why I want to be over here and feel safe or whatever. And so, and I think our language is so limited. I started imagining the other day there's another species in a parallel universe that looks to us like cats like, my cat can communicate with me, can come up and sort of go, oh, I'd like a treat, or, you know, I want this, or she's annoying me, or whatever. And I feel like our language to another species might be very limited. Yeah. You know, that we've only got so many words and so many ways of putting them together. We're constantly trying to say, is my experience of being human anything like yours? Mm-hmm. Is that... Is, do you think... I mean, I, I'm just, I, I, I want to know, because you're philosophers, am I onto something here? <laughs> yeah, Iris Murdoch says we need more concepts. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, she does. And I think in philosophy, one of the things is like because it's been just dominated by men who have this idea of themselves as like super rational beings. Mm. There's this real tradition of not of just putting to one side anything to do with like emotion, feeling, mm. instinct. Uh, love, you know, so all that stuff is like, okay, we've got to get that stuff out of the way so we can get to rational morals. Mm. I think therefore I am. Yeah. So but I, I feel like beyond like needs like hunger, sleep, water, like it just feels like all there is is love and feeling. You know, all there is is like emotion and instinct. Mm-hmm. Connection. Yeah. We're desperate for connection. Yeah, and I think what's really amazing about these women's philosophy as well is they think about our lives in a really kind of broad way, like in terms of how how our lives fill space and time. Like, mm. they don't just look at, like, you know, certain moments, but the entire kind of pattern of how human life might look and how it might kind of change course. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, Iris Murdoch has this amazing uh, sentence where she says, man is a creature who makes pictures of himself and then comes to resemble the picture. Mm. So... Ooh, the images. Ooh, Iris. <laughs> yeah, she's oh, like, that is hidden. Yeah, oh my god. Yeah. So these like little moments, like these pictures uh, that you encounter, like these images or these role models, whatever. Yeah. They're like these little kind of turning moments that can just kind of change the course of your life. And it's the same with concepts. You know, like when we create concepts together, 
those can be like these little kind of hinges or something like that that can just change the course mm. of, of how our lives are shaped. So it's a much less sort of static view of like animal lives and the lives of individuals. It's not like... Yeah, it's, it's quite a dynamic kind of... I feel like you guys just sold me. I'm like, do I need a PhD? <laughs> I'm like, philosophy is popping. Yeah. <laughs> it's so exciting. Well, I'm so excited to read this book. Um, uh, just to give you a little flavour, uh, so to make you go buy it, uh, Kevin. Okay. Um, <laughs> the history of European philosophy is the story of the ideas, visions, hopes and fears of men. Men who in the main wrote their philosophy in the comfort and seclusion of the ivory tower, away from the practical and messy demands of everyday reality. Mm. Few people can name a female philosopher. Uh, shout out a female philosopher if you know one. Thank you. Excellent work. Even the word philosopher conjures an image of a bearded man. This book paints a different picture. It tells the hidden story of four incredible women philosophers who met at Oxford during World War II um, and whose friendship was uh, a philosophy born in pubs, dining halls, living rooms, over coffee and biscuits while air sirens were wailing brought philosophy back to a human life we can recognise. And I think that environment where they were being taught by refugees who'd fled to the Nazis, of course, it then becomes personal, it becomes real. And as you say, evil, horror, uh, you know, fear, these things are alive. If you've just fled that, you're not sitting around talking about how the word terror operates in a sentence. Your whole life has been uprooted, you've lost your family. So, you know, this is really a book worth reading. Um, and I feel like we need more modern female philosophical movements. Mm -hmm. And I feel that both of you uh, are probably at the forefront of that now. When will you get your own BBC Two show, Rachel and Claire? Uh -huh. um, anybody out there is listening, we're available. <laughs> we could do a really fun YouTube um, or podcast with you guys. Do you have a podcast? Uh, we have on our, so on our website, womeninparenthesis.co.uk, you can listen to podcasts about the four women, just that, um, yeah, which are, are quite nice. And there's loads of resources for children and loads of videos of Mary and all sorts of stuff. But we could do another podcast. Okay, like, hold on. Can... I got it. So the podcast, right? It's called Philosophers. Hers. No. <laughs> <laughs> There is to be no gender-based puns at all. But I love that your surnames are Wise Man. I feel it should be Wise Woman. So cool. And McCool. So cool. Which sounds a lot like McLovin to me. Um, so good. It's not spelt McCool. It's spelt M A C C U M H A I W L. With that is spelt McCool actually. I M H is like a W. In in Irish, yeah. So Doesn't when I say it's not spelt that way, it is spelt that way. It's just Irish. See, that's a philosophical conundrum right there. I feel like I was reading um, ab about this so that I can be like prepared for the interview, and I'm like very. <laughs> I'm so into this. I'm so into this metaphysical animals, like, um, philosophy, this idea. And it's like, we're animals, not machines, computers, brains, or consciousnesses. And basically, like, we need to ask ourselves questions. We need to ask more. We need to... 
Yeah, I, I think just, it's really nice. We love the idea of a metaphysical animal. I mean, Rachel's mum, she got the idea straight away, didn't she? And she's, she's like, I'm not a metaphysical animal, didn't she? Yeah, but she said, my mum said, I'm not one, your da- but your dad is. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's definitely, you know, I think there's lots of people that have a kind of philosophical kind of orientation. Mm. Like they ask, you know, ask philosophical questions. Mm. That, you know, that's just... We should do more are. instead of being so focused on what can be like measured and weighed and quantified because like it's so limiting it's like that thing what you're saying about you like take a picture of yourself and you become it if we're like everything has to be fact it has to be black and white visible measurable then that really limits like who we can be I um yeah I feel very strongly thank you for coming to my TED talk (laughs) I feel very strongly we're all going to read Metaphysical Animals and go into... It's uh, a vibe. They gave me a copy for free. I'm in there. Well, we, <laughs> we, we also have, like, a book club on our website, so there's oh, loads of questions for, like, ass. book groups. So, um, I do yeah. think this is where we need to be going because I feel like there are... At the moment, there's too much convergent thinking and mm. there's too, there are too many definitive answers going around the, the internet. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to start thinking in terms of ideas and discussing... Uh, we need plurality of thinking. And that doesn't mean we have to undermine anyone's uh, humanity or identity. But all, it's so good for us to get together and go, but think of it this way. But what about to, this? To, to work out our brains in this way, and I really think we need to start doing it more. Um, everyone, go and grab yourself a copy of Metaphysical Animals. You can get it in hardback. Can you get it in uh, on Kindle or audiobook yet? Uh, yeah, you can get it on audiobook and on Kindle, and it's out in paperback next year. Okay. So I just want to say, hardback... I don't know if it's because I'm, like, horned up, but that sounds so hot, like, hard, <laughs> hardback. And then, like, it's like, ooh, paperback. I don't know. All right, great. I'm not getting hired at Waterstones. We will invite uh, Rachel and Claire back to discuss the, f- the philosophy of sex next hard, time. Hardback. <laughs> I've never heard anyone talk about hardbacks like that. Maybe that's your answer to American Pie. All right. Um, listen, we've got to bring our closing act on now. Uh, oh God, but yeah. first, a huge round of applause for Rachel Wiseman and Claire McCool. Um, Newcastle, you should be proud of these two women and invite them to local Newcastle things because otherwise they'll always be off in Durham and Liverpool where they're gainfully employed. In the meantime, please pick up a copy of their book. Yes. Are you ready for... Local, oh, sorry. Ag- local activities. In- invite them to local activities like the sea. <laughs> Donuts. Yes. Karaoke. The Newcastle. Which yes. doesn't exist. Does it, the it Newcastle. I'm taking you to the Newcastle. I tomorrow. need to see it. No one suggested the Newcastle. Well, how old is the Newcastle? It's really old. It's Three years old. It's really, really, really like, old. Give me a date, someone. 1297 is the Newcastle. Just knows that. Who knows that? Well, our audience is very bright and knowledgeable, and there'll always be someone who knows everything I'm in this obsessed. audience. Seriously, this audience is so... I don't know, I've just discovered my audience is so clever, so I'm driven, trying to have a meeting so of academic, so many incredible people doing so many incredible things. Not one of them can wax a bikini line. <laughs> Okay, are you ready for a local Newcastle magi- uh, magician? Musician. <laughs> I'm thinking about getting. Could you imagine a... listening to a magician on a podcast? <laughs> I'm thinking about it for the live show. A feminist magician who cuts a man in half and just leaves him there. 
ladies, welcome back to the stage, Bryony Jackson! And uh, so for my next magic trick. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a gear change. I hope that's cool. I was chatting to Alison and Telia backstage, and they, were, they reminded me that the amazing Grace Petrie often does um, this bit of the, of the gig. And she, she loves a lefty sing-along, doesn't she? Don't we all? Don't we all? So I'm going to sing a really sad and angry folk ballad. Yeah, about the, um, the dangers of capitalism. And it's 15 verses long. No, it's not really. It's only four. So this is called Diamonds and Gold. When the pain and the hunger begin to take hold And the shame and the anger refuse to grow when the lies of the many are battered and sold, and a few line their nests with more diamonds and gold. Diamonds and gold, diamonds and Yes, a few line their nest with more diamonds and gold. In the year 1820, a ship took to sea to find work and respect in the land of the free. But the poor starved and died While the rich dined upstairs with their diamonds and gold. Diamonds and gold, diamonds and gold. Yes, the rich dined upstairs with their diamonds and gold. In the year 1840, from the land just to work like a slave as a factory hand and to live in a slum in the dark and the cold while the rich filled their mansions with diamonds and gold diamonds and Yes, the rich filled their mansions with diamonds and gold. But the year doesn't matter, all years are the same. When you're caught in this trap of this laissez-faire game, 
When the poorest and weakest are out in the cold And the rich fill their nests with more diamonds and gold Diamonds and gold, diamonds and gold Yes, the rich line their nests with more diamonds and gold Diamonds and gold, diamonds and gold Yes, the rich line their nests with more diamonds and gold. So don't worry, I'm not going to leave you with that one. Because that would be a right bummer, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm going to leave you with something a little bit more fun. Uh, this song's called Advice, which is the worst vice, as we all know. Um, you've been amazed. What a fab night. My God, this has just been a dream. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All the people that have been made tonight happen. Some of 
Jackson, everybody. She's a Newcastle local. You can find her on Instagram under at Bridie Jackson Music. Everyone should follow her and everyone should download her music. Bridie, where can we find your music? Where? So I've got a website, www.bridiejackson.com, and it's got all of my gigs listed there. So see you soon, I hope. Amazing. Don't go away, Alison. Yeah, Alison's joining us because Alison is singing our closing number tonight. Now, this is a traditional guilty feminist closing number. Yes. Played by Bridie Jackson and sung by Alison Spittle. Shall I join Um, you? But before they... But before they do that, and we hope you all join in, and uh, please get up dancing. You know, you're refueling here for the patriarchal fight. Um, Before we do that, can I just say a big, big, big round of applause? We've heard comedy tonight from the incredible Alison Spittle. Hema Bob. We've heard hardcore feminist philosophy here. You've had more than your money's worth from Claire and Rachel. A big round of applause for all of the women in the audience who spoke to us tonight who are doing feminism large and small. Don't forget to, to, to donate to Izzy's GoFundMe to get her to, to get her to the Edinburgh Festival. It's really expensive, but that's the only way that women can break through. Is It's really true, though. It's the, one of the only ways in this country that women can break through. Uh, so don't forget. Remind us what the GoFundMe is called. Thank you. You're on Funny Muff said. And a big round of applause for Kevin. He's been amazing. Um, I, have you had a good night, Newcastle? You've really been wonderful. If you've got any friends in Manchester tomorrow night or Glasgow the night after, then please tell them uh, to come out for the last two shows of the tour. And we will be at the Hampsmith Apollo on the 1st of October. And that's our big seventh birthday show. So j- jump on a train and come down. I mean, we came on a train today. It was not that far. Um, there's going to be... Uh, and, uh, and if you've got any friends in Australia and New Zealand, we're off touring there in June and July. Grace Petrie and I are going out, and uh, we'll be out there with Cal Wilson and others. Um, you've been absolutely wonderful. I would say you've been one of the finest audiences of your generation. A generation, yeah. Um, we've had just, just, what do you think of them? Yeah. Oh, wonderful, yeah. Okay, big Thank round of applause to the audience. Woo! And now, our final song, Take It Away. Alison and Bridie. Okay. Um, I'm also going to join. Yes! <laughs> Please do. And Kima and me. Okay. okay. Yeah, we'll survive it, darling. We're going to survive. If you guys know how to survive, also survive with us. At first I was afraid. I was petrified. Kept thinking I could never live without you by my side.
don't want to pee in front of anyone. Like, I really like peeing privately. Well, that's not played with this room at all. (laughs) Everyone's like, I don't relate. (laughs) Newcastle, how many of you are on the field app? Just so we know. Just one of you. Okay. (laughs) The rest of you should get on it. Uh, It's for people who like threesomes, spanking, and... Uh, to pee in front of others. Um, I don't want to pee in front of every, anyone. Uh, the, uh, I'll do the other categories happily. But The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.